Praise God. Praise God. Pastor Mark, when, uh, stand up, please. For we were just in that song right there. It just really felt like the Lord was started speaking to me. That, uh, and tell me if I'm wrong. I'm, I'm, I can miss it. So, but I just felt like the Lord was saying that you're, there's, you've, just been, you're, you're, you've been praying about some decisions to make. I don't know if it's one decision, several decisions, or maybe something on your heart or something you've been talking to God about. Is that true? Been making, you've been talking to God about some decisions to make. He just wanted me to tell you that he's going to give you, he's going to show you exactly what to do. He's going to, he's going to give you, manifest his wisdom, and, and you, don't have to, you don't have to work up anything. He wants you just to relax. You don't have to, you know, like I say, you don't have to grit your teeth and pray in tongues hard and fast and squint your eyes and I've got to get this word, you know, you don't need to do nothing. Thank you, Lord. You just rest. He's heard, he's heard your request, and he's going to manifest the wisdom, the knowledge, and the understanding you need for whatever those decisions are. I don't know what it is, but God does, and he'll bring it to pass for you. Thank It'll you, just Lord. come up in your spirit, and you'll just know what, to, you'll know what to say, you'll know what to do, and you'll probably even be, a, probably be surprised by it, says the Lord, because it'll be so simple. Thank you, Lord. And you'll think, well, that was easy. Thank you, Jesus. I didn't have to try to work up anything or try my best to hear from God. Just popped yeah. up in me. Thank you, Lord. Just God's real good in doing that. Thank you, Lord, for doing that. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. We give you all the glory, Lord. Amen. Great. Amen. Call it done. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God's good. Amen. Amen. All the time. Glory to God. Glory to God. I just had a lot. I mean, another thing. I understand about Elisha asking for a minstrel to 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 play some music for him, you know. And um, and you can ask my wife. You know, we can go. We can drive all the way to Florida and home, and I won't listen to one one Christian song. Amen. See, she doesn't think I like Christian music because I don't listen to it. I I prefer. I rather spend my time listening to teaching. I want to hear the word all the time. Amen. Every once in a while, in a blue moon, I may think. I think there's. I may think of a song. I think. I think I want to hear that song real quick. I don't know. I just feel like hearing that. But I don't listen to a lot of music. But I like music a lot. Um, praise and worship music. There's certain music, certain songs. They really stir up the, the spirit of prophecy in me. I mean, just get to. I, it's just the presence of God, like that song right there. I mean, I mean, as soon as we start singing that song, all of a sudden I, I'm starting picking up stuff from God. And God just starts talking to me about Brother Mark over here. You know, I didn't have that before I came in. It started with that song. Amen. So if, if she would tell her, thank you for singing that song. Yeah. Like Elisha did. He said, I need a minstrel first. Because right. once you start singing by the Lord, I'll start getting stirred up. The spirit of prophecy will start working in me. It does, does it all the time. I, it, I love it. But it's just, I don't always know when. I can't say, well, you know, but it's just, it's just, it's, it's really mainly not really fast songs they'll stir you up but the, what really stirs is a good worship song where you really just start sensing God's presence is just kind of all over you you know you don't want to get out of it Amen. and that a lot of times that's when God starts talking to me about some things so praise God Amen, Amen. well get your Bibles out and, and turn over to John chapter 6 please Hallelujah. I want to talk to you some about, um, if I was going to give this a title, I'd call it Absolute Union with Christ. And uh, 
the, the, you know, my YouTube channel, if y'all don't go listen to our videos, we've got probably, uh, we may have up to 700 uh, video teachings on our YouTube channel now, and they average about a half hour piece, and they're all free. And let me re-say that again, they're all free. Amen. <laughs> no obligation, I like free stuff, don't you? Amen. I'm on YouTube every day. I got, I got, I'm listening to different ministers. Lately, I've been listening to a lot of Keith Moore, a lot. I'll turn them all on my cell phone. I'll put my cell phone in my pocket while I'm doing the dishes. Or uh, if I'm sitting at the computer and it's, I'm doing something I don't have to concentrate too much on, I'll, I may put Brother Keith on and I'll be listening to him again. It may be a series I've already heard four or five times. I'll listen to it over and over again. Let him play while I'm working on this. I'm try, I try to keep the word going all the time. I like music. See, I can play music. Nothing wrong with that at all. I like good praise and worship music. But I, I, I just I want to learn. I, I gotta, I, I'm addicted to the word. It's like I can't get enough of the word. I got to keep hearing the word. Amen. I'll hear a song every now and then, but I gotta, I just I gotta have word. Yeah. I, I gotta have the word. I gotta, I, I want to keep the word going all the time. Amen. If I could keep it going 24/7, I would. You know, you can. <laughs> I, I bet I'm always, I always got the word going on my cell phone all the time. Yes. It, you know, so when people say I just have time to hear the word, you don't. You don't do you drive to work? Do you, do you got all the things you do? You got plenty of time. Sure you do. A lot of people they, they drive all these places. They don't pray in tongues at all. They don't listen to the word. They, they waste hours and hours of time just looking at the trees outside on the on the countryside. Mm -hmm. You know, nothing wrong doing that for a while. But man, you could get hours of prayer in, hours of word in during all that time. I, that's just the way I think. Amen. Amen. You stuck in traffic? Get your Bible out. I can probably read three chapters while I'm waiting on this line of traffic to start moving again. But see, most people don't think that. They just sit there. I wish this would hurry up. Well, I'm going to get something accomplished. Right. I, I, I just think that way all the time. I, I, want, I got to get in the Word. I don't like wasting my time not, not doing something. I want, to be, I want to be doing something. Amen. So, we, uh, you know, those video messages we have now, we keep making new ones every week. So that's probably at least over 300 hours of free teaching. That's like going to Bible school for free. That's a lot of hours. Yeah. 300 hours. So I hope you're taking it. Our YouTube channel is Dwayne Norman Victory in the Word. If you're not, if you haven't been there, Dwayne Norman Victory in the Word. But uh, my, I said all that to say this, that the latest series I've been teaching on my YouTube channel, I call Absolute Union with Christ. I think it's, I got like parts one through 15 on there right now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you want, if you, if you think I'd like to have more teaching on that, well, you can get it right there and it's all free. Now, over in John chapter 6, um, this is, remember, this is, and uh, I'm going to, I want to talk about this some, but then I want to, I want to go through talking about our union with Christ to talk to you some about communion. Mm -hmm. that I want to, some things I want to bring out that I believe will, will, will further increase your faith and get you more excited about taking communion. And then we're going to take communion at the end of the service, which would be nice. Um, but in John chapter 6, this is the story, remember, about uh, or, or the sermon that Jesus preached where he lost most of his crowd, lost a lot of his monthly financial partners, and uh, even even a lot of us, uh, probably some of his disciples didn't want to come back. I mean, and, and you can and I mean and you can understand why. I mean, if somebody today got up here, if I got up here and, and said, you know, I, I, y'all need to eat my flesh and drink my blood, you would be you'd think, boy, he needs the devil cast out of him. Uh -huh. Yeah, you. I mean, you have to put put yourself in their shoes. Yeah. See, we we know we got the Bible now. We know this was the Son of God. My son at the Seven Eleven. You know, would eat his flesh and drink his blood. What in the world? This, you know, you know they thought it was a, t a total nut. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, it, it was bad enough when he said, I'm the son of God. 
You know, I'm God. Uh, you know, and, and that was bad enough. That bothered them enough. But when he started saying, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood, what do you think if somebody said, you think of cannibalism? Mm -hmm. yeah. And he wasn't talking about that. So, so, but this is a great sermon, and um, let's start, we're not going to read all, it's, it's, it's pretty long here, but let's, let's go, um, let's start at verse 47. We will read a good deal though, verse 47. Jesus said this, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me has everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Uh, your fathers did eat bread in the wilderness. He's talking about eating now, yes. but they didn't know what he's leading up to. Uh, your fathers did eat man in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread referring to himself, this is the bread which comes down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. Amen. So he's letting them know he's not talking about cannibalism, not really eating his physical body, but he's talking about symbolically, I am the bread of life. Right. And then he says, verse 51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Now see, when I, when, I, when I read what they were saying right there, I mean, I can understand them feeling that way, can't you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you didn't really know who Jesus was, you would, all, all of us in here would have thought the same thing. Amen. And he hadn't even got to the, the strongest part yet. Right. Verse 53, then Jesus said to them, now here it is, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Now, the life he's talking about is eternal life. Right. So they didn't realize this, but when he said, you've you, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood, he, he's not talking about his physical body. He's talking about how to have eternal. He's talking about something spiritual, but they, that, that went over their head. Then he said in verse 54, whoso eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eats my flesh and drinks my bread dwells in me and I in him. As the living Father has sent me and I live by the Father, so he that eats me, even he shall live by me. Verse 58. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eats of this bread shall live forever. Now, look back in... He um, meant by eating flesh and drinking my Now, we know what that means. If you have any teaching now on who you are in Christ, we know what that means. We're in Christ and he's in us. That's what it means to be born again. But remember, when he was saying this, nobody could be born again yet until Jesus died and rose from the dead. Jesus was the only human being on the planet that had the life of God in his spirit. Everybody else was still spiritual dead. Even God's covenant people, they still were spiritually dead in their spirit. They, 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 they didn't have their sins washed away. They couldn't say they're the righteousness of God in Christ. So nobody back then could really relate to being in union with Christ. That probably didn't make sense to them. How can he be in me? Remember even Nicodemus said that when Jesus said you must be born again. His first thought was, I'm going to go back inside my mother and come back out again. How am I going to do that? He didn't even think spiritually, did he? That went clean over his head. And they didn't get it either. How, why would they? The reason it makes sense to us, because I got scriptures in the epistles that explain to me that we're now what it means to be in union with Christ. We're in the Father. He's in us. We're complete in Christ. All that, I read that and say, yeah, amen. That's, that's right. I agree with that totally. Well, they're not going to say that. They're going to think, what does that mean? We're going to dwell in him? How can I, you know, it's like, how can I, how can I dwell in you and you dwell in me? That, that, they're just thinking physical. It doesn't make a bit of sense. But Jesus used 
Um, this, uh, this example of eating his flesh and drinking his blood, this is a, to me, it was just, it's a great example to use to show our union with him. It, it's a very descriptive illustration here to say you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood, but it's an awesome illustration to show what it, what it means to be in union with him. Because when you eat something like the example I probably used before, that you know, if, if I brought you know, a McDonald's cheeseburger with me to service tonight, and I set it right here, you know, you'd see the cheeseburger right there. And you'd see me. So we got two things. The cheeseburger's there, and I'd say, I'm standing here, and you see me. Wrap that cheeseburger, put the paper right there, and I sit here like this, and start eating it right in front of you guys. Mm. Keep on eating it. And I ate the whole quarter pounder with cheese. Mm -hmm. Then if you came up to me, hey, would you show us that cheeseburger again? I'd say, sorry, I can't. I've swallowed it up. We've been swallowed up in life. I've, I've swallowed it up. I can't show it to you anymore. That cheeseburger has literally become one with me. But the example to show how, how one we are, how one I am with, cheese, is with the cheeseburger is that I ate it. See, this example Jesus used, eating my flesh and drinking my blood, man, I don't know a, a, a richer um, and more descriptive example to illustrate how one we are with him. In other words, Jesus said, I, I, let me, you want to know how one you are with me? We're so one. You know, 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says, he that's joined to the Lord is one spirit. We're one spirit with Almighty God. Now, that's something y'all just sit down and just think about that. For I'm one spirit with the creator of the universe. Amen. I am one with Almighty God. You know how big and how great God is? How huge God is? Think that, first of all, he's omnipresent. That means he's everywhere at the same time. He's on Pluto right now while he's here in this service. He's everywhere. He's, om he's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's benevolent. He's perfect love. He's self-sufficient. Self-existent. Self-existent. That means he has no beginning. Now, you, when, you start, when you take a moment, think about all the characteristics of how gigantic, how huge awesome God is, and then remind yourself, God has made me one spirit with him. I'm joined to this being. He created me. The one who created me. I mean, I would be zero without him. I didn't even exist before he created me. The one who created me said, I'm going to make you totally one with me. And, and, the, and, and really, I, I, it seems like the best I found, the best way to describe that oneness that, we, that makes sense to us is eating and drinking something. That's why Jesus used that example. See, when I ate that cheeseburger, I mean, I can't express to you, I mean, I don't know how to say that any better to, 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 to explain that me and that cheeseburger are one. It will show it to me. I can't show it to you now. When I ate it, it's one with me now. I can't show you the cheeseburger anymore. Right. It's in me, and, and, I'm, and I'm in it. We're all, we're, I'm, we're, all, it's, we're all one now. We're two. We're one now. So when people say, as a new creation of Christ, when people say, you know, show me Dwayne Norman, you know, apart from Jesus. I can't do that. Right. I can give you my testimony of what Dwayne Norman, who he was before Dwayne got saved, before I got saved. But I can't show you me with, apart from Jesus now. Just like I can't show you that cheeseburger part. You say, show me that cheeseburger. I can't. I can tell you there was a cheeseburger that was by itself one time. But then I ate it. I made it one with me. 
I decided I bought the cheeseburger too. I purchased, I redeemed it. I purchased the cheeseburger. And then I decided I would like that cheeseburger that I bought to be part of me. I want, I want, I want it to be one with me. And the best way for me to do that is the best way to get it in me is to eat it. That's why Jesus used that uh, illustrative example. You got to eat my, it's a great example. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. That's why I like that message. Every, every, as soon, as soon as you confess Jesus as Lord, that's the first time. Right then you ate his flesh and drank his blood. That's when you became one with him. But every day when we get in the word and study the word, because he is the living word, he is the bread, we're eating his flesh again. We're drinking his blood. We're reinforcing that reality of our union with Christ all the time. That's what we need to do. So I'm one with the cheeseburger. We're one with God. I'm one spirit with Almighty God. I just, I just, sometimes I just think about that for a while. Man, it'll pump you up. Man, it, the, the more you think about that, whatever problems you got get punier and punier and smaller and smaller and smaller. You keep thinking about it enough and declaring that, it's, it's really hard to even find the problems anymore. Because see, you're, you're thinking like God. So we're, we're one with God. That's why I like the scripture. One of my favorite verses is, is Galatians 2 verse 20. That's where Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. So Paul said, I was crucified with Christ. He means the old man was crucified. He's dead and gone. But then he said, yet I'm alive. But he says, but I am alive now, but I'm not by myself anymore. I is Christ liveth in me. So I'm connected with Jesus now. We're one. I've eaten his flesh and drank his blood. I'm one with Christ now. And the life which I am now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. But here's what I like. I have a, I have a lot of translations. My favorite translation of Galatians 2.20 is out of a Bible called the Distilled Bible. And listen, listen, listen to what it says. You'll like this. It says, I consider myself as having died and now enjoying a second existence, which is simply Jesus using my body. That's good, isn't it? I consider myself as having died and now I'm enjoying the second existence, which is simply Jesus using my body. In other words, I'm not the cheeseburger on the counter anymore. God ate me. God decided, I don't, I, you know, I'm close to that cheeseburger. I mean, you know, we're real close to it. I can reach out and touch it, but I like that cheeseburger in me. I like to become one with the cheeseburger. Well, what's the best way to describe that? Eat the cheeseburger. Drink the water. It all becomes one with you. And, and so these people back then in John chapter 6, they didn't get any of that. I mean, they weren't going to understand that until they got saved, until the new covenant began. But so, but so Jesus was sharing with them, he was really sharing some very deep things with them that back then that was just going clean over their head. But Jesus knew that we, we would begin to understand it after he died and rose from the dead. And especially when Paul started preaching and teaching about who you are in Christ, then we say, oh, I see why I get his sermon now. I see why he said, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. He's talking about union with Christ. Now, go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, 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 a great way in the natural to, uh, show our, to uh, remind ourselves of, our, of what Jesus did for us at Calvary, but also our union with Christ, is partaking of communion. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And We've had a lot of teaching over the, on communion if you've been saved very long and been in church very long. And, uh, but I, I want to kind of reiterate some things and 
I, I want to show you something that you may not have quite thought, thought about, because I want to go a little deeper in, in our revelation understanding of, of partaking of communion. So let, let's read a few scriptures. We've got, we got, we got a, several different places to go to, but we're going to start in, in chapter 11, and uh, let's start in verse 20. Let's read 23, verse 23 and 24 and 25 first. Paul said this, for, at, for I have received the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. Now, what are we going to do with this bread? We're going to eat it, aren't we? Right. And we're going to drink the juice, which or, or the wine, and that all gets back to remember what Jesus said: "You need to eat my flesh and drink my blood." That's why communion is a good natural example to remind us that we have eaten his flesh, we drank his blood, and every day as we get in the Word, we're continuing to eat his flesh and drink his blood. So, so to kind of make you a little more excited about communion. So he said, when, when he had given thanks in verse, verse, um, verse 24, he said, when Jesus had given thanks, he broke, he broke the bread and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup is the new testament or the new covenant of my blood, this do ye as oft, often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So especially all the often, Jesus letting us know that we can, um, we can partake of communion anytime we want to. Amen. You don't have to wait for the church that maybe they do it once a week or once a week. Wigglesworth said he, he had communion every single day. Right. You can partake of it every time you want to do it. It's a good way to remind yourself, especially like what I've just shared tonight. It reminds you of what Jesus did at Calvary, but it reminds you of why he did it, because we could be in union with him. And, and, soon, and as you eat that bread, think about that. I've eaten his flesh. As you drink the juice, think about it. I've drank his blood. Yes. I, I'm in little, I'm in union with Almighty God. I'm joined to the Lord. I'm, I'm the body of Christ. I'm one spirit with Jesus. I go on to say other things when I confess that. I'll say, Father, thank you also that I'm your habitation. I'm your dwelling place. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an open heaven in Christ to people on the earth. I'm a supernatural portal to people on this earth to minister to people. And because there are all kinds of good things you can add, add to that from the word that keeps on reinforcing that for you. Now, notice at the end of verse 25, though, here. It, Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Now, just not taking it, let me say, deep enough about this, this word remembrance. A lot, I think a lot of Christians, when they, when they read this, where Jesus said, take communion, when you do this, do this in remembrance of me. The word, when he uses remembrance here, this word means more than just, yeah, I remember Jesus, uh, he did something for me 2,000 years ago. Well, yeah, he died for me, he rose from the dead, I think. Right. The word remembrance is more than just a casual, right. you remember what you did last week, you know, yeah, oh yeah, I got my car washed. It's not that, it's a, in the Debbie Vine, Dictionary of Greek New Testament words. Listen to what he says the Greek definition is for this word remembrance. It means in memory of, but in an affectionate calling of the person himself to mind. Not simply awakening of mind. Not simply a, an awakening of mind. Not, not simply just saying, yeah, I think I remember that. Just a little quickie remembrance. This word remembrance means stopping and really contemplating. Reminding yourself again of what, the, what Jesus did and why he did it. A good example of this is, um, turn over to uh, Exodus, um, maybe hold your finger right there because we're coming back there, but turn over to Exodus chapter 2, 
I want to, I want to remind you of something that, that God said over here. Exodus chapter 2. And um, look at verses... Look at verses 24 and 25. This is when God is talking about God um, hearing the groaning of the children of Israel, remember, in Egypt. And he, and he heard it enough, and he, you know, he, he decided, I'm going to go rescue those people. And of course, he sent Moses to them. But in chapter 2, verses 24 and 25, it says, And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham with Isaac and with Jacob, and, the, and God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. Now, we know the rest of the story. See, remember it right there, it said God remembered his covenant. Now, does that just mean all that God did when, he, when it says he remembered his covenant? Was he just said, I remember, yeah, I made a covenant with them. No. We know he did more than just a little. I remember that. That was, yeah, it's been a while with Abraham, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Remember, when you read the rest of the scriptures there, God remembering something means, he not, he don't just, not just a quickie, yeah, I think I did that. No, he acts on what he remembers. Right. There you go. See, when, he, when it says he remembered his covenant, wow, he, see, he remembered, I got a covenant with Abraham, and these people are still in this covenant. And I told Abraham that he's, you know, his seed's going to multiply the whole earth. So I need to get busy. I'm going to have to go deliver these people and set them free. Amen. See, that's what the word remembrance means. It's more than just a quick, yeah, I think I did. I think I made a, an agreement with Abraham some time ago. So, tie that in with the communion. So, see, that's what I'm saying here. When you get ready to partake of communion, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. God remembered his covenant with Abraham. That means Jesus saying, when you take communion, I want you to think about what I did 2,000 years ago and why I did it and what it means to you today and that I will honor and bring that to pass if you believe it and declare it. Right. Yeah, that's now that's, that, that's getting serious when you take that's communion. Rich. That's rich. Yeah. Praise God. There you go. yeah. Do this in remembrance of me, he said. Wow. Now, let me show you something else that, um, that you know, put your seatbelt on. And uh, let's, let's look back at this verse here. Look back at verses 24 and 25 here. It says, and when Jesus had given thanks, he broke the bread, he broke it, and said. Now, I want you to pay close attention to what Jesus said, really closely, because I want to show you for all these years. Jesus said, now he's got bread in his hand. He says, take, eat, this is my body. Say, this is my body. Which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup. When he is up saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Say, this is the new covenant in my blood. He said, this do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So now we really understand better now what the remembrance means. So now picture this. Jesus, he's holding the bread in his hand with, and he's talking to his disciples. He says, this is my body, take it and eat it. He said, this is my body, take it and eat it. This is my blood of the new covenant, take it and drink it. Now here's what Every minister, since, remember, I'm 65, I got saved when I was 14, I've been saved for, 50, for 51 years now, and um, I've been in a lot of church services, heard a lot of preachers, a lot of ministers, and every single one, every single one, they do it today, every single one I've heard, when every time they have communion in a service, in a church service, here's what they'll do, read like Jesus did, and read this verse, they'll read the very verse, verbatim, what we just read, 
Jesus said, this is, my, this is my body. Take it and eat it. The ministry gets up and says, this, this bread, this symbolizes Jesus' body. This represents his body. They need it. Let me, is that how Jesus said that? In verse 24, did Jesus, and Jesus said, take, eat, this represents my body. This is symbolic of my body, which is broken for you. Because your Bible, my Bible doesn't say that. Every minister puts that in there. And then they'll say, now this Jews, this represents the blood of Jesus. This is symbolic of his blood, and you need to drink it. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, this is my blood. This is my body. Now, I've got to put a qualifier in here. So you all don't start going the wrong direction here. There's a denomination in the world. It, I won't name, won't name who it is. It's the biggest one in the world. It starts with a C. But I won't name who it is. And they believe in what's called transubstantiation. Transubstantiation means that you believe that that, that piece of bread in your hand literally becomes Jesus' body. That's not scriptural, and that's not biblical. That's not what, we're ta that's not what I'm talking about here. That's not what Jesus was talking about. How could it? Remember, when Jesus started it, Jesus himself is using his own body to hold the bread. How could the bread literally become his body when it's his own body holding it? Did he get another hand popping in or something? No. And he's the one who said, holding the bread in his own body, in his own physical hand body, he said, this is my body. Well, they're looking at his real body. See, that bread did not become his body too. At all. So no, there's no such thing as transubstantiation. That's not scriptural. Like I said, that's not biblical. But now here's, here's the revelation here about this. Remember, everything we do, we, we walk by faith, we live by faith. Without faith, you cannot please God. And we, we have to learn to partake of communion. Doing this, understanding what it means to, to remember what he did, what, we, what I just talked about. See, that's an act of faith. You got it. You got in remembering what Jesus did. You got op, you're operating in faith. You believe in what He did, and and how that applies to me today. It all works by faith. You got to believe it. You got to believe He bore those stripes. He bore were to heal my body. Therefore, I believe I'm healed. It's all an act of faith. We we have to learn to partake by, of communion by faith. I would say in most churches, most people partake of communion just religiously. It's just a ritual. You know, we do this every two weeks. We do this once a month. You know, pass it all out real quick. You know. Eat it, real, eat it real quick, drink it real quick, and we got it done for this month. And they get nothing out of it at all. They don't have a revelation that you're, what it means to eat his flesh and drink his blood. That'll make communion a whole lot richer and more exciting when you, when you understand that. But here's what you have to do. This is why this will mean so much more to you, what Jesus said. When you take Jesus, what Jesus said, he said, he took, he took the bread, he said, this is my body, eat it. Now, it didn't become his body, but see, we must, but this is where faith comes in. Faith is believing. We must believe. When I hold that bread in my hand, right before I eat it, I believe. I believe I'm going to, I'm, when I eat this bread, it's real bread, but I believe as I eat this bread, it's just as real as if I'm eating Jesus' flesh. What he said in John chapter 6. I believe this is just as real as I'm eating, eating his flesh. And if I'm really eating his flesh, he's in, I mean, his flesh, he has an immortal body. I'm eating all the life and the healing and the strength that's in his body, and I'm eating it. That means it's, what I'm eating is going into me. Amen. 
That means everything in his body right now is going into my body. And if everything in my body is not supposed to be there, it's going to it has to leave. I, I choose to believe. I release my faith when I partake of communion. I believe that when I eat this bread, I'm really eating. It's like it's like I'm really eating his flesh, even though it's not his real flesh. I believe I'm eating his flesh. See, it doesn't have to really become his flesh for me to believe it. See, it's a faith thing. I believe I'm eating his flesh. When I take this juice, it's just juice. But I'm gonna I'm gonna release my faith, and I'm gonna believe because Jesus said he's holding the juice or the wine in his hand. He himself said, "This is the blood." This is my blood of the new covenant. He said it himself. He didn't say this symbolizes my blood. No, no. That meant he was, in other words, he was saying, guys, you got to, this, 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 this wine is really not my blood, but you must believe it is. Yeah. I say it is. Yeah. And you must believe it is. Even though it's really not, you must believe this is my blood. Right. That's your act of faith when you take communion. If you really believe this is my blood and drink it, then that means you believe that everything that says in my blood healing, eternal redemption, righteousness, holiness, everything that's in the blood of Jesus is going in, going all through you as you drink that juice. Everywhere it's going, it's just going all, all that's in my in Jesus' blood is going through you. Wow. Is there any wonder you should receive your healing? Receive your deliverance, receive whatever you need when you partake of communion. Praise God. Wow. Man, I like that. Glory to God. Now, that'll get you more excited about communion. communion. Now, go back, if you're in 1 Corinthians, go back over one chapter, chapter 10. Look at the other place over here. I like that, yes. <laughs> where he talked about this. Because it's still about this, this union, eating my flesh and drinking my blood. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, let's start at verse 16. Paul's talking again to the church at Corinth. Now, now listen closely. He says, the cup of blessing which we bless. Now, I like that. He's talking about communion, isn't he? We call it Eucharist. We call it communion. We call it the Lord's Prayer, the Lord's Supper. What's another name? Isn't there another name? The Lord's Table. Yep, that's in here too, the Lord's Table. But another name for communion is the cup of blessing. That's a good name, not the cup of cursing. What a nice name. Let's partake of the cup of blessing. Wow, I like that. The cup of blessing. He said the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body. Doesn't that sound like eat my flesh, drink my blood? About oneness, union, about union. For we are all partakers of that one bread. There's union again. Everything's about union with Jesus. Behold, Israel after the flesh. Are not they which eat of the, of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What say I then? That the idol is anything, or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons, and not to God. And I would not that you should have fellowship with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. So that's another name, the cup of blessing, the cup of the Lord, and the cup of demons. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table, there's the Lord's table, and of the table of demons. Wow. Praise God. Now, he said, when, you, when we partake of, of the cup of blessing of communion, he said in verse 16, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ and the bread which we break? Is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Now that word communion, that word communion means to fellowship with, 
to participate in and to partake of. That sounds like it's all about oneness. It's all about union. Now, listen to verse 16 out of the Amplified Bible. Listen to this. Let me, I'll just read this to you. This is real good. He said, the cup of blessing of wine at the Lord's Supper, upon which we ask God's blessing, does it not mean that in drinking it, we participate in and share a fellowship, a communion in the blood of Christ, the Messiah? The bread which we break, does it not mean that in eating it, we participate in and share a fellowship, a communion in the body of Christ? See, the Amplified Bible is really bringing the Greek out even more about what the word communion means, because it means to fellowship with, to participate in, to partake of. And they stuck that in their translation, in translating this. They're trying to, the Holy Spirit wants us to see absolute union with Christ. I'm one with Jesus. See, I confess it all the time, but a good physical demonstration of what I keep confessing all the time is go get me, you know, a little piece of bread or a cracker and some grape juice or you know, or uh, just anything like that, and, and, and take communion. That's a good, uh, natural uh, way to remind me of my union with Christ. And we ought to do it. I don't have a set time. I'm not like Smith Wigglesworth. I don't take communion every day. Again, nothing wrong with it. Remember, Jesus said, do it as often as you want to. But I do take communion. I believe in communion. And especially uh, what I've just shared with you, I just, communion is um, a lot more exciting to me now. Because I, I can, I just see... And um, look at verse, um, verse 18. Right? Paul's talking about us taking communion. Then he starts talking about Israel after the flesh. He starts talking about Israel after the flesh. And you think, why is he bringing bring up a negative example about Israel? How, they, how that they worship idols. And he says in verse 18, Behold, Israel after the flesh are not they which eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? So he's saying even them, they're not worshiping God at all. They're worshiping idols. But he, he's, he's bringing out, he's using a negative example to illustrate a spiritual truth here that we turn into a positive truth. He's saying that even Israel, when they worship the idols, he said, you know, the idol's nothing. It's, it's just a piece of wood somebody carved out. But, when they, but see, when they worship that idol, they get into it more than most Christians get into communion. They believe that a demon will come into that idol and they're going to have fellowship with that demon. See, Christians don't even want to even go that far with God. They want to go, they don't, they want to go so far as to say, when I partake of this bread and wine, I believe I'm really eating Jesus' flesh and drinking his blood and we're having fellowship together. And Paul's using this example of them. I know I heard Lester Sumrall, he said he was in one, one country one time and, and he came upon... Uh, he had like a tour guide, guide with him showing him, showing him things. And um, the guy said, well, I want to show you a tree that you've probably never, never seen one like this before. And he, showed, he came to this tree. It was all gnarled up. I mean, apparently it looked demonic, you know. All these goofy limbs. It just looked like something out of a horror movie or something. He said, just an awful looking tree. And it had a hole in the back. And Lester Summerall said, you know, so it, it, the, the tour guide said, yeah, they, they bring sacrifices and put it at the tree. You know, to worship, worship here, worship, worship the devil here. And Lester said, so they think that tree is, is alive or something? And even the tour guy said, no, they don't think the tree's alive. The, the tree's just a tree. He took, and he said, follow me. He took around the back of the tree, a big old hole in the tree. 
Like, you know, like they think demons need a way to get, they, you got to give them a hole to get, they don't understand spiritual things. But there's a big hole in the tree, and the tour guide said, no, see, when they bring their, when they bring their, their, their sacrifice to the idol, he said, the tree's nothing, it's just a tree. But when they, because of their, you could say because of their faith, because of what they believe, no, they don't experience anything from the devil until they start believing something. See, they got to believe they're going to talk to the devil. they got to believe they're going to talk to whoever they think their God is. How much more we should operate in faith and expect to hear from our God. But the man said, when they start worshiping this tree, the reason the hole's there is because demons, they made an opening, you see, for the demons. The demons can get cut, they'll come and happen at that tree while they worship there. It's all because of their faith in their God. How much more when we really have, when we take a communion by faith, no, that, that bread's just a piece of bread. It's just an inanimate object. That, that juice, that grape juice, that's just, that's just an inanimate object. And neither one is the literal body of Jesus. But when I, when I release my faith and I start believing something, what the Word says about that, wow, then, then God starts coming in. The Spirit, and not a demon. God, the Spirit of God starts coming in, and I start having fellowship with God and with Jesus and the Holy Ghost. But it's all because I chose to believe I would. I chose to believe that I, I believe I'm eating Jesus' body, even though it's not his real body. I believe I'm drinking his blood, and I'm one with him, and we're going to have some communion now. We're going to have some, some fellowship now. And, and Paul's point was, if, if they did that, and, and, and fellowship with demons... I mean, and talk to demons, had real, had real fellowship with them. How much more, how much more we should, can partake and have intimate fellowship with our God? Because we have real faith, faith in God. Wow, what a good, good illustration there. Now, look over in, um, let me show you one more thing over here. Turn over to, back over to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. First Corinthians chapter 11, <clears throat> we read verses 23, 24, and 26 about partaking of communion, do this in remembrance of me. Let's, let's look at verse 26 here. Jesus said, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till I come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord, now uh, I'm going to read this out of the King James Bible, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. He that eats and drinks unworthily, that's twice he said unworthily. He that drinketh unworthily eats and drinks damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. That means they're dead, physically. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Say, I need to judge myself. Yeah, we all, I need to judge my. If we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Now, here's what, um, here's what, here's the way I was taught. And, um, um, honey, would you get my cell phone out? I want to pull up. Oh, um, hey, do you all, do you have some translations back there? Do you have the Passion Translation? Probably don't. Let me. Let me pull it up on my phone real quick. Hang on, y'all. Let me go over here.
because this is good in the Passion Translation. Let's see. 1 Corinthians. Let's see. 11.27. Y'all still waiting on me? 11.27. Okay. Now let me share this before I read this translation to you. The... Um, uh, 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 one of the ways that I was taught, and I teach any differently, I mean, for the last 51 years, every time I've had, especially in the Baptist church, I was raised Southern Baptist. My parents taught Sunday school and training union, and my mom got filled with the Holy Ghost spoken tongues, and like Brother Hagin says, we got the left foot of fellowship from the Baptists, and they, they didn't want us there anymore. So we went over to the Assembly of God Church in Orlando, Florida, where, they, where you could lift your hands and, 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 and sing songs beside hymns. A lot of good hymns, but we, we sang a lot of different songs. But um, uh, in the Baptist church, and all the, every time I've heard people talk about communion, if they talked about it very long, they got to this unworthy, unworthy part, you know, they'd always say, now, if you have any sin in your life, they put, put a little note of fear in there too. If you've got any sin in your life, you need to repent right now before you partake of communion implying God's up there with a lightning bolt. And if you've got sin in your life and you haven't repented, then you're not, you're not partaking of it worthily. And you better watch out. That has nothing to do with this. Scripture at all. That's all been wrong all those years. Not wrong at all. And I mean, it's all wrong. But it said in the King James Bible, though, it says, verse 27, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat of this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, well, the only, the only way you even have a right to partake of the Lord's Supper, of communion, is you've got to be born again, right? right. You've got to be God's righteousness in Christ. Amen. You're already worthy. Jesus made you worthy. That's right. You can't get any more worthy to partake of communion. If you're, born, if you're not born again, you don't need to partake of communion. It won't mean anything to you. Yeah. But if you are born again, you are, you've already been made worthy. Jesus made you worthy through his blood. So you, we're not trying to get worthy to partake of communion. You'll never get that way. If it, and if it has to do with your outward acts, I, I can't partake of communion until I never sin again, I never make any more mistakes. Well, that won't happen in this lifetime. That means none of us could ever take communion all of our lives on this earth. And Jesus said, do it in remembrance of me as often as you want to. See how you got to rightly interpret the word? So if we do it as often as we want to, and... And we're never going to be, we're already perfect in our spirit in Christ, but our minds and bodies are not perfect yet. That's what, that's what growing up spiritually, that's what that's all about. That's what we do the rest of our life. Now, when we get to heaven, God will make the other two-thirds of us perfect. But until then, you're not going to be perfect in spirit, soul, and body. So if you've got, if you've got to be totally worthy spirit, soul, and body to partake of communion, nobody can partake of it. So, so that, that lets us know that's not true then. So it must mean something else. Well, you get some other translations. It says this. Instead of saying, whoever partakes unworthily, it says in an unworthy manner. Yeah. Now, the, the, the Passion Translation says it this way. For this reason, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in the wrong spirit will be guilty of dishonoring the body and the blood of the Lord. Mm. In the wrong spirit. Mm. Whoever partakes in the wrong spirit in an unworthy manner. So what's an unworthy manner? Well, a clue to that is the rest of the verses we just read. 
Look at verse 28. He said, but let a man examine himself. Now that, that's, that has to do with this, what this unworthy manner means. We need to examine ourselves. For what? And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. That means not recognizing, not understanding what Jesus did through his body. That means through his death and resurrection. And that's why he said many of you are physically dead. Because you could have taken a communion, and if you discern that by Jesus' stripes you were healed 2,000 years ago, which gets back to you're not really remembering. You're just going through this real quick. If you really remember, stop, pause for a minute and remember what he did just for your body, See, you're discerning what he did. If you did that, you would say, Lord, I receive my healing right now while I partake of communion. And we've had all these Christians dying. But they didn't judge themselves. They did not examine themselves and discern the Lord's body. They partook in an unworthy unworthy manner with the wrong spirit. Just goofing around, playing games. Like, you know, oh, this is what we do at church every month. Let's get it over with so we can go on and get on with the sermon. Well, you missed out on a lot. You can, receive, you can receive forgiveness, healing, deliverance, all, whatever you need from God when you partake of communion. Right. Praise God. You, praise God, praise God. Yes. Let me give you one more verse that goes with this, examining yourself and um, partaking in a worthy manner. Turn over to, go to the right to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. A verse I like a lot when I teach on the mystery of Christ over here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and look at verse 14. Paul said, for the love of Christ constrains me. That means motivates me. It constrains me because we thus judge. We make a judgment call. We thus judge. Doesn't that sound like uh, examining yourself? Uh, first, uh, first John chapter 5, verse 18. The Apostle John said, if we would keep ourselves, the wicked one touches us not. That's part of you'll examine yourself, if if you'll keep yourself in the word, walking close with God all the time. So Paul said, for the love of Christ constrains me, it motivates me. Because we thus judge, we make this judgment that if one died for all, then we're all dead. In other words, Paul said, I make a judgment. Listen, the word judgment in the dictionary, if you just look it up, it means the ability to make considered decisions or to come to sensible conclusions. That's what judgment means. Paul was saying that we need to make a judgment here. We just read that. If you judge yourself, you won't be judged. What's that mean, judge yourself? That means you're making a judgment about some things. And in this verse, he's saying, you need to make the judgment that if one died for all, then all died. That if Jesus died for everybody, that means him. That your old man's dead. And that gets into the mystery of Christ and who we are in Christ. But he said, you've got to make that judgment. Here in community, he says, you've got to make a judgment. You've got to examine yourself. If you do, when you partake, if you do have sin in your life, just go ahead and repent right there. God's not going to strike you down. Communion is where you receive forgiveness. There's no verse in the Bible that says you've got to repent of your sins if you have any before you partake. Man added that in his religious ideals we have in the churches. You, the, the, the time, you know, I I do that just because I was, you know, I've been trained that I was raised that way. A lot of times before I take communion, I just out of habit, I say, God, you know, if I've messed up anywhere, repent, I'll receive your forgiveness. I'm so trained, that's just a habit, you know, because that's the way I was trained with communion. But you can partake, as you partake of communion, 
You can say, God, I receive your forgiveness for, for that mess up I did or, or for that thought or whatever I said. You receive your healing. And when you do, you're judging yourself. So Paul told us we need to judge ourselves. He said, Paul said that in this verse here, plus he's the one who said that over there in 1 Corinthians we just read. We need to make a judgment. We need to examine ourselves. Make sure we don't partake of communion in an unworthy manner or in a way not understanding what it means. Because if you, if you partake, not understanding, not remembering, not understanding, not discerning the Lord's body, not understanding what all that means, then you're just eating a little piece of bread and drinking a little juice. And you're missing out on the power of God and great miracles you could be receiving. But when you understand and you, do, and you remember and release your faith, wow, now you're activating God's power. Just like, just like Israel. If, if they did not believe demons would come into that tree, and then participate with demon spirits, then they would just worship in a tree. They didn't get anything out of it spiritually. But they chose to believe. When we take our sacrifice to that, that's where they were taught. Oh, we're going to talk to our, our so-called God, which they may not realize it was the devil they're talking to. But Paul used that as an example to say, if they can do that, how much more we who have faith in God, in the true and one and only God, if we just believe that when we partake of communion, I really believe when I partake of communion, I'm going, to part, I'm, going to commun I'm going to fellowship with God. I'm going to have communion with him. We're going to talk. I'm going to receive from him. Yes. Praise God. Amen. 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 Well, where are our little communion things, Pastor? Let's do that. Let's, let's, let's wrap this up with some communion. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, I hope I got you thinking again tonight.